I think a lot of people get into real estate expecting something from things they read or podcasts they listen to. And then you get into it and you realize that your expectations may not have been really aligned with reality. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about their pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Adam Ballsinger. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Theo, thanks for having me. Excited to be on the show. Oh, well, thanks for joining us. Looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Adam's background. He's a full-time real estate investor focusing on his wholesale business as well as his multifamily syndication business. He has six years of real estate experience. His portfolio consists of 12 legacy rental units, 50 multifamily doors as an LP, 92 more as a GP, and his wholesaling and flipping business just went over 100. He is based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you can say hi to him at his Instagram page, which is at realestateadam7. 
So Adam, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on today? Sure. I got into real estate six or seven years ago. And I think my entry to real estate was probably a little bit different than a lot of people. I've been selling software at the time. I've always been in some sort of entrepreneurial or sales type of capacity ever since I graduated from college back in the early 2000s. So I've been selling software at the time. I decided I wanted to get into real estate. And my intent Thea, was to try to do that under the radar. I was going to work on my flipping business. So my entrance into real estate was fix and flips. And the idea was that I was going to work my full-time job. I was going to flip part-time after hours and over the weekend. And that I was eventually going to transition to full-time real estate, fixing and flipping properties. Well, my interest in real estate far outweighed my interest in continuing to sell software and be an employee. So didn't really go according to plan. I spent a lot more time working on the fix and flip business. My numbers tanked in my software sales. So I was actually let go after three months of trying to do the two. So my rug was pulled out from under me. So I was kind of forced to make things work with the real estate business. So it's not a necessarily a way that I would recommend other people. I think the smarter way to go about doing it is to slowly establish what you're doing, get some consistent revenue coming in, and then step away from what you're doing full time. So there's an old story, I forget who the general was, but would talk about, and you hear this a lot with leadership and mentality, him and his soldiers would land on the beach, and he would actually burn the ships so that there was no retreat. So the only possible outcome was death or victory. And it kind of put me into that position, having the salary and a nine to five job pulled out from under me. So I started doing fix and flips and my business has kind of grown and evolved over time. The intent was to just do fix and flips, stack cash, buy single family rental properties and retire with a portfolio of 10 to 20 of those properties. And I think a lot of people get into real estate expecting something from things they read or podcasts they listen to. And then you get into it and you realize that your expectations may not have been really aligned with reality. So things just evolve, things change over time. Right now I'm partners in two separate businesses. My fix and flip business, I'm originally from Philadelphia. That business is in the greater Philadelphia area. So that's business number one. And then the other business, which is a little newer, is multifamily syndication. I'm a partner in that business, and I'm located here in Charlotte. We focus in the southeastern United States on the multifamily business. Your story about getting into real estate and then being fired within three months is very interesting. I kind of want to talk about that a little bit more, if you don't mind. So sure. had you done any deals at this point, or you no, just no. didn't think? So how did you pay for your first fix and flip deal if you didn't have a job? hard money lender, and then a gap funder. So we had a hard money lender come in for the bulk of the purchase as well as the renovation. And at the time, I did not have the money to cover what the hard money lender was not going to fund. So I actually had to go out and borrow that capital from somebody else. So I had a private lender cover the difference. Maybe kind of walk us through. So you got fired. How long did you find your first deal? And then how did you meet this private lender? How did you meet this hard money lender? How did you find that deal? Kind of walk us through that. Yeah. So before I really jumped in feet first, I paid for a guru education on fixing and flipping. And that took quite a bit of capital in and of itself to pay for that course. 
So I had a bit of a network that I had already established as I was going and getting started. So I was able to leverage some of those relationships to be able to find the hard money lender as well as then the private lender. So that was all through networking that I was able to find those things. And actually, I was able to find my first deal as a result of the networking that I had done through the guru education that I had done. And then would you have money saved up from your job to cover living expenses or was that an issue as well? I did. Yes, there was enough there that leanly I was able to kind of get by. You know, I wasn't doing any fancy vacations or anything like that for quite a while. I was still pretty young too. So we wind up with more responsibilities as life goes on. I was joking with you that I've got this pile of Amazon boxes for my wife and I were due end of September. So baby will be here probably by the time the episode actually airs. So I didn't have anything like that. I was a single guy. I was renting with some buddies from college. So I was basically only paying for one room. So it was easier for me to manage just because the expenses were already pretty low. Okay. So how long did the first deal take to complete? And then how much money did you personally make on that deal? The deal took a while. Actually, the first couple of deals that I did were in the Atlanta market from Philadelphia. So just through networking, I was obviously working on developing the relationships in Philadelphia that could help me find deals. But just through some of the people I met with the Guru program that I mentioned before, it just so happened that a deal or two kind of fell in my lap in the Atlanta MSA. So it took a little while. They were bigger renovations like at that time. And of course, this is going back now, but popping the top, ripping off the roof on like a ranch or a bungalow and then adding the second story. That was a really popular way to flip properties in Atlanta at the time. So that was really the first, I guess, two deals that I had done were those types of renovations. Did really well on one of them. And we maybe made 10, 15 grand, something like that on the other. And it's just because there's some things that you can miss sometimes when you're not there, boots on the ground, depending on who you're relying on for your boots on the ground, your inspection of your contractors, the work that your contractors are doing, like those things are all really important. So we had fixed up this one property, put it on the market, and it just sat on the market and sat and sat and sat. And we could not figure out why we had dropped the price a couple different times. I wound up flying down to Atlanta from Philadelphia to walk the property. And Theo, no kidding, man, as soon as I walked through that property, I was like, I know why this thing hasn't sold. And it was because as a way to try to save some money on the renovation, we decided that we were going to reuse the original trim in this house. You know, people love original stuff. It's retro, original. It helps you on the marketing with people that look for that kind of stuff. But it had been painted. It looked like the trim had been painted 3,000 different times. You could see the drip. And then the drip had been painted over. So it just looked like crap. So we pulled all that trim off, put new trim on, painted that, and the house sold in a week. No joke, after that took place. So just one of the things you learn as time goes on, some of these details. And we had boots on the ground. Our real estate agent, she and I are still super tight. And it was just something that she missed. She just, for whatever reason, wasn't equating the property sitting and the price point that we were marketing at as that trim being a problem. That's a very bold first deal, turning a ranch into a two-story. I'd like to see it. So at what point 
I didn't have a job anymore. I was like, I didn't have a job anymore. I'd been looking for deals so long that I was just like, well, hey, the numbers work. It seems like I talked to a couple people that employed that strategy. It's a great strategy. That's your niche. Then there's fewer people willing to do that heavy of a lift than are looking for cosmetic renovations. So if you've got the team and you like doing that type of a renovation, I think it's a really good niche for people mm-hmm. to play in. It's got to be the right market. Factors have to really line up for it. Perfect. So let's transition really quickly into multifamily. So I'm assuming that you invested in the LP first and then did the GP afterwards? That is a correct assumption. That's what I figured. Let's talk about the GP. So why did you transition into multifamily? Well, the whole catalyst for getting into real estate full-time and doing fix and flips in the first place, like I had said before, was for rental properties. Passive income was what I was really after. I've always been more attracted to real estate than the stock market. Having a physical, tangible asset, I really like the idea of. And I think that with what's going on with the economy and fiat currencies all around the world, that this decision and and my approach, I think, could really pay off here in the midterm to the long term. But as we were picking up one single family house and you wind up with a loan on it, you're making a hundred bucks a door after you're paying your expenses. So I very quickly realized that 10 to 20 houses making $100 a month off of those was not going to go very far. So I started thinking, okay, I'm going to need a lot more doors in my portfolio to generate the type of income that I'm looking for than I initially anticipated. So let's say I'm adding 10 doors a year, that still takes a really long time. If you're burring and you're making 100 to 200 bucks a door, you're dead by the time you're making enough money to be able to live off of. So I started thinking, how can I scale this? How can I do it quicker? How can I amass that number of doors in a shorter period of time and be able to have the passive income that I wanted coming in? And the answer was multifamily. So we did the LP as a way to establish a track record to make my team more real when we were talking to brokers. So one of the challenges we had initially was, oh, we own 12 doors. We want to buy a hundred unit property. And we were having a lot of difficulty being taken seriously. So we partnered up. I did actually two different LP deals. I was LP in 330 units. One of the deals that I was in actually has gone full cycle. So it was already bought and resold. So at one point we were going to brokers and saying, hey, we're part owners in 330 units, but we're looking to branch off and do our own deals. So it helped us with the track record. It also helped us grow a network that we could then tap into when we were looking to take down our own property. So actually the person that I invested with, the 280 unit that went full cycle, he's actually my sponsor for my key principal, the person that signed on the loan for my 92 unit. So that relationship may not have ever been formed had I not invested capital into his deal. All right, Adam, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Focus on one thing at a time. So I mentioned that I run those two businesses, right? I do think that that has slowed down the progress for me in the growth and the development of each company. I think that if I had just focused on wholesaling until the time where that was just totally humming and more like an ATM where it was just printing out money every month, that would have helped me speed up the growth of the syndication business faster. 
So I think that I spread myself a little too thin for a year or two in there. So my advice to anybody new would be pick what you want to do, do enough research before getting into it to know that that's where you want to be and block out all the noise. Just listening to this podcast, you can probably come up with 20 different investment strategies, wholesale, fix and flip, single family, multifamily notes, birth, all this different stuff, creative finance. It's so difficult to get good if you are spreading yourself too thin. Dual sport professional athletes, you don't even see that anymore. There's only been a couple people who have been athletic enough to be a professional in two sports. You never saw a three sport professional athlete. It doesn't exist. So it's silly as a new person coming into real estate, thinking that you're going to become a master of four different strategies. Just laser focus on one, get it down, systemize it, and then add a second one later. You almost want to make it hands off, systemize so that it's functioning without your daily involvement before you worry about adding on a second vertical. So that would be my big piece of advice. I think a lot of people mess that up getting started. All right, Adam, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm as ready as I'll ever be, Theo. (laughs) All right. Well, first, a quick word from our sponsor. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you looking to get started in multifamily investing or looking to grow your portfolio? Nathan Tabor has created an online course that is slammed with incredibly useful and practical information. Check it out at apartments.nathantabor.com. Okay, Adam, what is the best ever book you've recently read? So recently, and I push this book on my wholesaling team every chance that I get, is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. I think it is a phenomenal negotiating and sales book. One of the best ones I've ever read. If your businesses were to collapse today, what would you do next? I would immediately start working on wholesaling. I love wholesaling. I think that it's really, really competitive just because the barrier to entry is really low. But I think it's one of the best ways to churn out quick chunks of cash quickly. Tell us about a time you lost money on a deal. How much did you lose and what lesson did you learn? So I don't have the exact number that I lost. I know it's about five to 10. I didn't want to know the exact number because it would have made me even angrier, but it had been a fix and flip that went sideways. was one that we did in the greater Philadelphia area. Contractor bailed on us throughout the job. They ate into our rehab budget really significantly, and we did not have the same amount of work that had been accomplished in the property as had been taken out of the renovation budget. So we had a lot of difficulty then finding some decent contractors that could come in and finish the job at a number that wasn't going to totally kill our profit. So not only did we have to replace a contractor and then put more money back into the renovation, but it took a really long time for us to find somebody to come in to pick up where the previous person had left off. So it screws up your budget and your time frame when you have to replace somebody. But we just also took a really long time trying to find 
that person to come back in. Property probably sat for a month or two as we were trying to find the perfect person to come in and finish the project. And then, of course, there were still issues with that contractor. So it was just one of those deals where it seemed everything that could go wrong did. And even then, after we sold the property, um, the exterior guy that had done some stucco repair apparently did not do the stucco repair properly. So the new owner was getting water in one of the back rooms in the property within three months of buying the property. So we wound up having to negotiate money back into their pocket. Of course, it's not a good law. We didn't want them to be unhappy with the property. So we gave them some money so that they could get it fixed on their own. So it's just one of those things where it was like everything that could go wrong pretty much did. And then lastly, what is the best ever place to reach you? My Instagram at real estate Adam seven. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing with us your best ever advice. And I really liked how every time you went through some phase in your life, you were able to tell us the lesson that you learned. So I tried my best to write all that down, but just a few examples. Number one, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to when you first began your real estate journey with a full-time job and thought you could balance it. And then we went all out of real estate and we're not able to spend as much time on your job. And you actually got fired very quickly. And then you were able to leverage the network you had created from the mentor, the guru class you took to find your first deal, to get the money for the first deal. So I guess that's one lesson there is network is where you're going to get your deal and money from. And they talked about the first fix and flip you did, which was a, a ranch that you chopped at the top and added in another level. Obviously a very bold first deal, but you said the numbers worked and there's actually less competition in those types of deals as opposed to the kind of light cosmetic work. Talked about the importance of your contractors and the boots on the ground, your real estate agent, when you're doing fix and flips out of state and then you actually had to go to the deal to realize that the trim was really bad and that's why it wasn't selling. You said about your transition into multifamily and you did it because of the scalability as well as getting passive income from that physical tangible asset. When you talked about how your time as an LP actually helped you establish a track record with a broker, but also allowed you to have a network that allowed you to do your own syndication deal with the example of the GP on one of the deals you had invested in was a sponsor on your deal. And you gave your best ever advice, which was to focus on one thing at a time. And you mentioned how you think that you'd be a lot further in your multifamily business if you were focusing on wholesaling first and then multi-family second. I guess that could also apply to your job situation as well. So thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate it. Congratulations again on your child. Thank you. Best ever listeners. very much looking forward to it. Best ever listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.